Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry. Lee Lonsberry. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. The state, since the dawn of this little coronavirus era, has spent a good deal of money. And as you well know, when I say the state has spent a good deal of money, I'm talking about uh, taxpayer dollars. Uh, the total number right now, according to a legislative auditor report, is uh, just north of $97 million have been spent in uh, the state's fight against the coronavirus. The, the bulk of that being spent, about $64 million on PPE, right, for, uh, for the protection of all those who need it, uh, Placing a nice barrier between first responders and medical workers. The state uh, kicked in $64 million. Also, a mask for every Utah. Remember that program? Uh, it was the one where you could, on the coronavirus website for the state, you could uh, type in your name, how many are in your household, up to six, I think. And you, once uh, sending that off for free, uh, could expect in a few months' time, took a little while, uh, but then have some masks delivered to your home. There was another uh, expenditure as well. And it was one that we talked about at great length here on this program when it was uh, unveiled. Uh, a little bit controversial, uh, the the app, the Healthy Together app. One of the features advertised uh, by that uh, app when it was first uh, rolled out was the ability to uh, to aid in contact tracing, uh, to, to be able to geographically know where users were located. And based on uh, their symptoms and maybe a later diagnosis could help us all, uh, you know, have a better sense of, you know, the community around us and who was walking around with the coronavirus and in particular uh, health agencies to know uh, how the virus was moving around throughout the community. Also had a little feature where it would ask you about your symptoms each day. And well, lo and behold, after spending about $4 million on that effort, the only functionality was the questionnaire. Uh, the only effective functionality uh, was the, the questionnaire. And that raised uh, some eyebrows. But remember, in context, uh, we right now are in the middle of something we have never before seen. Uh, we are making decisions under pressures we have never before felt. And uh, right now, as we are able to step back a little bit and have a look at things and the decisions that were made, uh, we're able to find out if we did it right or not. And if we ought to, in the future, uh, make some changes. Uh, you see, uh, the contract for that app was given uh, in, in a no, no, uh, no bid sense, right? So there was just one company that said, we've got this ability. And the state was able, due to the, you know, the emergency circumstances, say, yeah, we need that. Here's the money for it. Give it to us. Unfortunately, we didn't get exactly what we paid for. And uh, to understand uh, better the fallout from this, I've invited in studio Mike Hedrick of uh, KSL 5 Television, a stud on that program. He does excellent work each evening, investigates, uh, gets to the bottom of everything. Uh, he, he's been looking at this. W what have we learned so far? Well, it's easy to play Monday morning quarterback. Always, it? always. Because uh, you 
sit here and look, oh, you did this wrong, you did this wrong. And it's interesting when you hear the word audit, too. It seems like, all right, I'm going to take a nap now. Um, It seems like it'd be a boring thing. If you take the time and actually look through this, the audit is actually uh, well put together, well done, where I think it's easy to understand for anyone out there. But, uh, you know, they're in there to play Monday morning quarterback and say, hey, what things could we have done differently as a state? And really one of the things that, that came out to me was was communication. Sure. I think things were happening so quickly here that there was pressure by the state, at least that's what they felt like, some of these leaders, like, we need to make some decisions, we need to make them quickly. And so, you know, when that happens, and you just talked about that, it's like, okay, well, we may offer a contract to this company because, well, they came to us, it seems like it's great, we're going to throw this money and everything they said that they can do we think we can take care of this and it'll help us out and so that was with 20 and that was with the contact tracing was one of the things that they talked about obviously we know the contact tracing did not work as planned to the point to where they just shut things down and right. said they kind of have to reevaluate this so that was one of the things within the audit and and you know i had a chance to talk to the lieutenant governor probably about a month ago and i asked him about this specifically and he said yeah you know part of it is uh, we're going to make some mistakes along the way with this because uh, we haven't been through something like this it does happen quickly now with that said, it's still taxpayer dollars, and we as taxpayers expect them to make logical, make good, sound decisions even in that. That's kind of, uh, you know, when you think about the governor and, and lieutenant governor, and you think, okay, um, when things are going good, maybe it seems like it's easier to make good decisions. But right. this is this is the like the playoffs, right? These are the finals. Yeah. These are the ones, and it's like, we voted for you because we expect you to make the right decision at this time. Now, again, there probably needs to be a little leeway because nobody's gone through this. But nonetheless, there was uh, money spent on that. And, and, and what the lieutenant governor said, we're still looking into this right now. I think they have to wear the Bluetooth technology. They're trying to get that up to speed. But, you know, we also spoke to another company that came with them right after they signed that contract with 20 um, said, hey, listen, um, they're a local company. We have everything in place. We've got everything and we'll give it to you for free. Mm. And so when you hear that, you think, my goodness, they could have saved a lot of money. Now, again, I wasn't in those discussions. I don't know how they went out other than talking to this company, the owner of the right. company, and, and with Lieutenant Governor. And um, they, they, for some reason, didn't come to an agreement. But if the technology is in place and it's being offered for free, you do have to question why was that not used? Yeah, hey, You touched on this principle, and I think anyone who has ever been in a position of authority and power and tasked with making big, uh, great, influential uh, decisions, when you get it right congratulations yeah. wise leader you have done so well uh and when you get it wrong uh you know if you're in elected office uh you're gonna have to answer to that next time you're at the ballot box this is an, uh, it's an it, it's it seems unfair uh and it seems uh, at least as, as you put it uh to lead me to to really want to give a certain measure of of leeway to these decision makers in these intense situations uh you know you and i aren't making four million ninety seven million dollar decisions right. uh day to day uh you know i i get stressed out when it's time to make the car payments such like that. I can only imagine uh, when, when that's the, the number staring back at a decision in front of you. Now, the, typically, there is competitive bidding. Typically, when contracts like this uh, are awarded, you know, because that's something that happens constantly. I mean, the state is always making deals with businesses and organizations, uh, but the process there is when the state has a need and there are various individuals or companies who are, uh, at least uh, according to them, capable of meeting that need. They compete with one another for uh, services and for price. That wasn't the case here. That wasn't the case here. Uh, well, why not? I, I think, again, it... it, it 
talks about the speed of it and the urgency, the sense of urgency to get this done, kind of competing with other states with things when you talk about PPEs. But when it comes to a, a, a contract, when we're talking about the consulting contracts, the IT contracts, right. uh, you know, that's the ones with 20. And, um, you know, I think what it was the, the sense of urgency is what I gather. And that's the reason those decisions are made so quickly. But, um, you know, one of the things that came out in this audit was saying, hey, listen, you know what? Maybe the state legislature needs to make uh, some changes in the way that this works to allow for a little more time. Because I think, again, in hindsight, you think, you know what? You didn't have to make that decision so quickly. You could have vetted out some uh, a number of companies. I mean, think about you and I. It's like, okay, we're coming into the fall here. I need to get my furnace checked out. Right. Um, am I just going to go with the uh, the first guy? No, you're gonna you're probably going to shop around a little bit, maybe two, three, four people, and check them out. I, I think what they're saying is, hey, lawmakers, let's make a change in this to where you don't have to make that decision so quickly. Let's make sure that hey, even if it takes a couple weeks. Listen, you're not going to be behind uh, the eight ball that much. And and I think, again, it'll go back to we felt there was a sense of urgency. We needed to get on this contact tracing immediately because contact tracing is huge. It is huge for trying to contain this and and keep this virus. We've been reminded of that just this morning uh, by everyone who has taken to the microphone. Contact tracing is how we're going to get this thing licked. Yeah, it's key. And so, again, I think that's what it goes to. Yeah. It goes back to the urgency, and that's why those decisions were made. But, hey, lessons learned, right? If you look at this yeah. audit, make the changes necessary so when something else happens similar to this, we do it right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing I'd point out, too, no illegality alleged by uh, by this legislative auditor uh, report. And that's another thing I'd point out, too. This is the office of the legislative auditor general, which generated this report. Uh, John Frugal Dougal uh, is working on an investigation of his own. Look forward to seeing uh, how, how he interprets these decisions made uh, at, the, at the state level. Uh, Mike Hedrick, thank you so much. Good work. Of course. Here. You bet. Thank Alrighty. you. Uh, we're going to take a, a quick break here, and when we return, I, I need to share with you some polling results. Uh, I want to get away from this COVID stuff. It's important, right? When, when you're out and about tonight, have your mask on. Please, please, I beg of you. Uh, but let's take a break from that and look at some polling results. A question was asked, a very, a very simple question. Are you better off now than you were a year ago? How about four years ago? We'll get the answers from those responding to the polls and you next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.